Welcome back to Goth Girl Horror, the official Hack Slash podcast. I am your host, Dr. Chris, and joining me for this episode covering Hack Slash Volume 1, Issue Number 10, is Greg Elner on the show with us to talk about the issue with us, and also to talk a little bit about the Hack Slash timeline that he wrote, which is fantastic. Thank you for coming on the show with us, Greg. No problem. Basically, I got into the comic like maybe like a year or two ago, and after, and I went through everything and I was just like I really like just the amount of detail that was in it I am very big on figuring out basically how things work which is where the timeline came from and figuring out just like the little pieces the like maybe it will be how someone develops or all kinds of things I've done things I the aside from the timeline which I wrote uh, for it was in the second no it, it was in the sixth of the omnibus collections and then it was again released in this uh, the 15th anniversary issue a couple of uh, weeks ago and I also for that in particular also did some infographic basically getting down to numbers of how how many of different things there were. Some of the stuff got in, some of it didn't. There was only so much space on one page. I actually worked with uh, Jeff from last week on that stuff. How much research did you have to do and how much rereading of almost every comic book in order to put the timeline together? Or were you working it out as you, as, uh, as you went along and issues were published? The weird thing is I tend to... I basically think of these things, as I said, very analytically, so I was kind of able to figure it out as I was reading it. But on, aside from that, cer- certain things, like Hackslash versus Vampiroa, that one I had to ask the writer, I had to ask, well, I was also confirming with uh, Tim Seeley about that. And with that, we they established that it was between the runs, between Devil's Due moving over to Image. So that had a very set part that would be before one area after another. And other than that, it was a lot of figuring out what is going on in each issue. Like there would be someone who is a group that is together that we would have to be in a certain time or people aren't trying to kill each other at a certain time, or even what kind of car they're using. And various different things like that would help to figure out, sometimes it's more vague than others, but usually that's how it worked. Gotcha. I would uh, be hard-pressed to try and keep track of that timeline. It was really scratching my brain sometimes, especially when the Vampirella story came along. And now we're kind of on a, uh, a hiatus of Hackslash for a little bit again and it seems to come in these waves too because the last one was when they killed Vlad and then we had a couple follow-up miniseries and then Hackslash was quiet for a number of years until Resurrection came along and now Resurrection, Vampirella, Chaos and The Crow have all finished with, and then uh, the 15th anniversary has come out we're going to be quiet again for a little while. Maybe yeah, there's some, no uh, uh, solicitations of anything else right now. Right. But there definitely was hints if you go back and listen to the 15th anniversary Hackslash episode we did with Tim at the end of the year, uh, talking about possibly spitting off a character into their own something. We'll have to wait and see. Actually, there were 
when I was talking with him last year, not 2018's Comic-Con, I was talking with him, I was asking him about some of the other characters, older characters, figuring out if anyone, like, what's going on with X, Y, or Z character. I'm not naming anyone because I don't want to ruin, like, spoil anything. And figuring out, and from there, I was, he was saying that he might have something in line for whichever characters, even ones that he didn't himself write, like from the miniseries in between. And that actually was where I was able to figure out that it's not just going to be the, uh, while the crossovers are fun, there are also, sometimes it feels like it's a little, not necessarily better or worse, but more unique when it's not doing that because they're able to develop people a little bit more. Absolutely. And we're going to dive right into Hackslash issue number 10, and Greg has the plot synopsis for us. Starting out, the issue is starting off with the home of Dr. Phillips. It says Howard Phillips in number 9. So Dr. Howard Phillips in in Montana on Hellgate Road, which, of course, nothing ever goes wrong on Hellgate Road. Opening up, he's leaving his last diary entry in his journal about having created evil and playing God before being massacred by a, lo- a group of feral creatures that seem to be or have been human. Jump ahead to Cassie and Vlad arriving at the cabin. Both of these are at night. Probably it was either the same night or the next day. And Cassie is frustrated because all that's really left is an extensive bloodstain, like the entirety in front of a desk across the room of the office, along with a lot of scattered books. The blood isn't recent, probably as it's dried to brown, so it probably was the next day. And she and Vlad are looking through the records and journals left behind. She doesn't like searching because unlike fighting slashers, it makes her uncertain about her place in the world, while fighting undead killers is her safe space. And she's also worried about her dad being as bad as her mom, which has been troubling her for a while. In a nearby household, there's a little girl who's having trouble sleeping because she has dirty, scary noises out at night. And her mother thinks that's just wild animals screaming and making noises, but the little girl knows better and sees a humanoid figure chasing a rabbit in the yard who seems to see her as well and scream at her. Back in the diary entry, Dr. Phillips had been experimenting on feral children, trying to help them grow by slowly integrating them back into society and teaching them language. The leader was called Romulus by the doctor, and the whole group had uh, pretty much a pack mentality. The process was also a means to study their similarity to revenants, also known as slashers, who lack social skills and in order to keep integrated with society in the first place. And the term revenants is actually something that comes back to other forms of undead. Due to the similarity and the revenant healing abilities, he injected a formula he calls Rev-D, made from slasher cells, to try to reverse the trend of being unable to integrate into society and having wanted to test the serum in the first place, the problem is that it ends up accelerating the process of being feral 
and it leads them to kill him. It's unclear why he thought the serum was going to make things better, as he admitted that the cognitive ability in slashers degrades also. After she finishes reading the journal, Cassie and Vlad are both attacked by the feral kids. Cassie's a lot more brutal than she usually, um, Vlad at least, and she actually kills several of the kids in her in self-defense while Vlad's not able to bring himself to hurt them. In the fight, the cabin burns down and they have to leave with a list of possible aliases and, home, and homes of her dad, Jack Hack. The outside, Vlad asks if they're going to bring the remaining kids home to Lisa, but Cassie refuses, seeing them as incurable due to the Rev D and executes them one by one. Vlad brings up how he thought he would have to stop her after, due to that promise that she had him make at the end of Comic Book Carnage about killing her if she became as bad as a slasher. And she weakly defends her actions, saying that she knows slashers aren't a random event and that they need to find her dad and find out how it started because they hunt monsters. Elsewhere... Uh, police, the police contact an elderly woman named Mafid Jaworski after finding the burned cabin and five of the corpses without explanation, and they call her their secret weapon. Later that night, Cassie calls Margaret from a pit stop, and when Margaret asks if she needs needed for a slasher case, Cassie just seems on the verge of breaking down hysterically crying and says she just wants to talk. And we have the credits at the very beginning of the issue by Tim Seeley, Emily Stone, and Courtney Via. I don't know Courtney Via. Yeah, I haven't seen her since. Hmm. Brian Crowley, Sean Dove, and Mike Sullivan uh, round out our uh, letters, design, and edits. And we got two covers of this. I have the one where all the kids are touching Cassie's face, and that's by Tim and Jeremy Roberts. And then we have the cover B by David Nakayama and Emily Warren, where Cassie is covered in blood walking down the stairs. I yeah, like and that it looks cover, like too. in a Halloween costume of some sort, because of the horns. Uh, oh, yeah, I kind of... On the, on the hair, it looks like some form of horns. Maybe, I mean, yeah, but the, yeah, it could be. something. It, like it might be, but... Either way, it's it's the blood might make it look more like she's like a devil. Right, 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 right. So we have the opening of this. Uh, what looks like a note notebook. Uh, the journal entries are all done in notebook format on the pages. One thing that I also this might be entirely coincidental, but the name of the doctor Howard Phillips that is also Howard Phillips Lovecraft. Yes, who is also very big on these kinds of horror stories. Violators will be shot. Survivors will be shot again. I need that sign. But I think I can only get away with it in Texas, not Massachusetts. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it's like shoplifters. There's always something, but yeah, that's great. (laughs) Please let us know if you plan on shoplifting. I love that sign, too. This guy reminds me of the hippie character in the uh, Friday the 13th Part 3 movie, as well as the Friday the 13th video game, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I haven't really played the game, but I think I know what you mean. Yeah. <gasps> you haven't played the game? Oh, my God. I'm not very big on the asymmetrical multiplayer. 
I like Emily Stone's in this artwork compared to the other issues that she's done for some reason. I don't know. It just looks like she's, compared to from the first issue of the series, so that'd be like 10 issues in, it definitely feels like her artwork has evolved and definitely evolved for the better, too. Yeah, I think this is very well done. I do have a preference for number one in general, but that's just an overall thing. But this one, it was very well done. It's like the emotion in it, especially in the uh, diary entries, which look extremely creepy. Why did you... Okay, uh, let me start with my question. I was told um, that you specifically have a thing for this issue, and what is that? Oh, for me? It was... There are two. This one and the other one. Basically, it shows why... um, it's a, a major idea of why she can you can't actually call Cassie a hero. I mean, she does heroic things, but she's not what you would call a hero in modern life, superhero or whatever. She's a hunter. And this is in a very intricate look at how she is not a good person. She's not a bad person, but it's just basically, in a way, it kind of proves Dr. Gross from issue number one right, that she is a sociopath. Also, that she's trying. But, yeah, a lot of it is just, this is the worst thing, the worst thing that she has ever intentionally done. Yeah, killing children, despite how feral they are, man, oh man, I didn't realize how dark that was until I started reading it for this episode for this podcast. I did read it when it came out in 2008, and you think I would have been affected by it more back then because I had had a two-year-old, but I don't know. I just think things change as you watch your child. This is what she does. You're like, oh, wait, this is what she does. Yeah. You you think that it's like, oh, you think you're, you're used to it when you're just reading it at first, but then when you look back, you see this is the worst thing she's done, the closest I could see to it is probably in uh, in the Walking Dead comics. Issue number 66 is what they call the Massacre of the Hunters. It's similarly the worst things the characters ever did in that it's a thorough massacre of a bunch of people. Maybe there's like six people, but still slowly, meticulously going through and killing each individual person, not in self-defense just killing and that's very similar to this like we have it's likely that cassie's right that they can't be saved at the same time she doesn't she's not exactly an unbiased um person when it comes to this right and this also speaking of the walking dead reminds me of when carol brought the little girl out and shot her in the back of the head yeah that one yeah just look at the flowers. Bam. I was like, Jesus Christ, I got away with that on TV? Well, it is AMC and it is cable. Yeah. And considering in, the first, uh, yeah, the, some the of the comic, stuff I've seen on Mad... Was, uh, that was actually Carl in the comic, by the way. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, it's, it's a different type of thing. But yeah, it's the idea that it's not you're fighting. You're in the middle of a fight. You have to survive. These people, they, these kids don't know what they're doing. Now, replace Cassie, with, uh, Cassie and Vlad with Sam and Dean Winchester. You have a makings for a great episode of Supernatural in this issue. Oh, yeah. I mean, it does seem very much like that, especially the 
people finding out what's, I mean, thinking that they found out what's going on. They kind of burned a house down and killed five kids. Yeah. So. Um, I also suspect this is exactly what would happen to Eleven and her girl, her 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 sisters, her gal pals, her the ten other students of the um, institution that created the super children, super mutant children in the Stranger Things universe. If they had been left to live, because that's also right up there with the kids in Firefly and uh, Laura and the other twenty-two children that were created from Wolverine and other mutants genes in Logan. Yeah. It's basically they, you have to do something, but you at the same time, if you do something and you're doing this specifically, it's not that you're it's, she's the worst person ever, but it's a key example of why basically why I always call her the protagonist. <laughs> like that's the closest I can say. This is or or the hunter. That's all you can really say about. Uh, I mean, even in uh, my first maniac, she actually brings it up. Also, how she doesn't even consider herself a hero in the first place. Uh, also, reminds me a little bit of People Under the Stairs. You ever seen that? I don't think I have. Wes Craven movie, which is highly underrated, it came out in 1990, so right when the horror film genre was kind of dead and we weren't really getting anything great uh, until Scream came along and revitalized it as a self-aware style comedy horror, you know, uh, with bright, happy, gorgeous-looking, you know, Noxzema girl stars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the best way to, 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 you know, point out the, what happened to the horror genre in the late 90s. Um, so Cassie and Vlad are still continuing to investigate the, uh, the the clues they got from the agency about Cassie's dad. Now, this is a mystery that is going to take a couple more issues till we get to, but honestly, I would have loved it if uh, Tim had dragged out the story and the mystery of Cassie's father a little bit longer, but I think in like the next few issues, we're going to get the big uh, story revolving around her dad and a certain H.P. Uh, Lovecraft character. Yeah. But we get there when we get there. The yeah, children... I think that a major thing as well, it was for the trade. Right, the, right. The end of the, se- of the second Omnibus is the end of this arc. The children in this remind me of the Pet Cemetery kids from the recent oh, yeah. movie that sucks, by the way, and that is the hill I stand on. Yeah, I mean, I'm they sorry. Lived, they, they they unlived happily ever after. Yeah, but the children with the masks and everything totally remind me of the Pet Cemetery kids, which almost have nothing to do with the plot line of that movie. The kids who yeah. beat the drum and wear the masks, by the way. Oh God, I was so happy, looking forward to that until I saw the trailer. D- disappointment. It too, yeah. disappointment. Doctor Sleep, best freaking movie of the of the King trilogy of films that we got last year, and yeah. we have a three hour cut now out on Amazon Prime and coming out nice. on Blu Ray and DVD very soon, and that looks awesome. For everyone who's talked to me about the director's cut of Doctor Sleep, they said that is the movie that should have been in theaters because yeah. that would have been the movie that made the money. Not what was released in theaters was bad, but this would have definitely been the film to release in theaters. But I think they were hot off of a three-hour It film. They had to not release it, but that's a whole other yeah. podcast that we can talk and about. It was, it was also just the problem of, I mean, there's always that stigma against horror movies anyway. 
people don't want to say that they saw a three-hour horror movie because they just think that they're people tend to think they're better than that. Right. But that's it's, that's its own problem. But that's exactly what these kids' creepy masks <laughs> remind me oh, of. Yeah. yeah, and the one yeah, that goes, dad, dad. Like also, the idea, I think that this Dr. Phillips probably should think a little more on his naming scheme. <laughs> if you're going to name one of the kids Romulus and name another kid Remus, you have to assume that Romulus is going to kill Remus. Right. And... I think in another universe, if they had dropped him off with Chris and Lisa, um, we would have lost those characters a lot sooner oh, yeah. than we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they wouldn't. It wouldn't have ended well. Nope. Uh, okay, so in the last podcast I just recorded, uh, Vlad's skin was green, and this is gray. <laughs> I think he's a chameleon. I think this is. I think. I think it's a lighting thing. Actually, <laughs> it's gotta be. He's gonna be like a chameleon. <laughs> yeah, I actually asked Silly uh, because. Sometimes, like, it, for example, in uh, Slice Hard, it was brown. Uh-huh. It changes. Apparently, the canon is it's green. I, there's the two things that change in this comic book in almost every interpretation of the writer and the artist, mostly the artist. It's Vlad's skin color and Cassie's breasts. Yeah. But, yeah, in the terms of his skin color, that's, of course, a lot more noticeable because that's one of the most weird things about him. I mean, you, yeah, they they talk about how he's intensely mutated, but he doesn't really look that bad. No. But the green, yeah, that's that's very noticeable. I do think that the when much later they have an arc entirely about him, you take that color, and that's what it's supposed to be. I'm surprised that there is not a specialized tax force set up to capture this serial killer that's the hunter of killers only to turn around and make her work for the government. And yes, we've had the government black ops stuff here and there, but I gotta believe that there's somebody like just keeping track of everything that's been going on in the country and the connection to it. And there's not like a documentary on Netflix within the universe of hack slash that is just portraying Cassie as this master vigilante going around the country, killing people. That story never happened, right? Technically there is, there's that radio show and that no one keeps in tabs on that. They're specifically talking about this person almost like every night, and no one's keeping track of the person who's going around killing people. And also people do think within the world that that is a uh, conspiracy. Of course, they're going to. It was the it's late night. So I think that a large part of why we don't have someone actually following through on that is probably because of Dr. White. Who is the old woman that shows up in the last panel? When, when do we see her again? That, 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 that's Muffy. Muffy, the one who was, uh, you see her again in Mind Killer. Okay. She is, she's the one that, uh, I'll just say there's things involved with psychic powers. Interesting. I, I don't want to, spoil anything. No. But, the, but if you're listening to this podcast and never read Hackslash, go read Hackslash then come back. <laughs> yeah. Basically, it's the one uh, she's the one who gets possessed. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. We at the then the uh, then on the back we got the ad for the next issue. Hackslash is what Buffy might have been if it had been created by Wes Craven and Rob Zombie instead of Joss Whedon. 
I That's think, pretty much it. Yeah, but they printed that quote on almost every single issue. <laughs> Was there nobody coming yeah. up with better quotes than that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, there are other ways to say it, but yeah, they don't even bother. Um, it's its own thing. It's, I would say, like a deconstructive take on the monster hunter genre. Right. Whatever. Hey, Greg, opening up to the ads, the Battlestar Galactica action figures reminds me of something. Do you know what ever happened to the Cassie Hack action figure that was supposed to come out in December? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I the only one that I've actually seen that actually has come out is there will be like very small toys of a uh, mini figure of her and a figure. Yeah, yeah, the mini fig of her and uh, M. Right. Cyprus. That's right. the only one that I've actually seen actually finished. I know they listen to the podcast, so I'm all, I'm just jossing them, but I would love to know if there was some big some delay due to uh, plastic chemicals in China. That's be- become a big problem in the toy industry lately. I know the Sektar figures, if you kickstarted those based on the 80s toy line, have had some problems, but those have thankfully have finally got over, gotten through customs, and they are in the warehouse of the people who have put together that Kickstarter, so that we're finally going to see those coming up. So... Stay tuned. We uh, we could have those action figure guys on the show, but I'd rather wait till the action figure is actually finally you know uh, mass produced for them to come on to talk about it. Um, I never read Spook, but that's a book that was uh, highly recommended by Jeff in the last episode. By the way, uh, this is a Larry Hama book, and Larry Hama is the uh, basically he's not the creator of GI Joe, but he's the creator of almost everything you love about GI Joe. Yes. Yeah, it. I don't actually read a lot of those, but yeah, it does. I mean, he does have very good taste on that kind of stuff. So. And also, what I said to Jeff that uh, nobody else in comics, in my opinion, should have written Halloween than Tim Seeley is a hundred percent correct. I mean, you got a guy who has a goth girl horror slasher comic book writing Halloween. No brainer why that comic book was so good and so well received. More well received than the last two Halloween movies that had been put out at the time. In fact, this is 2008, so we had just gotten the H2 movie by Rob Zombie at this point. Yeah, so, I mean, basically, yeah, he has his own. His own glory, basically. Yeah, it's just too bad we never got to see the crossover between uh, like Cassie and and uh, Cassie and and Michael. We got like we got a fan page that he did for for a fan, and then of course we got the uh, the redo he had to do to avoid the copyright infringement in the 15th anniversary special. But at one point, Devil's Due Press was publishing Halloween comic books and Hack Slash comic books. Oh my and nothing, god! Yeah, and it, yeah, it seemed like the kind of thing that would be one of the specials. But I mean. I mean, one of the uh, annuals. But, yeah, we still haven't gotten around to that. I mean, now that we are going to be getting those last two movies in the next two years. Halloween Kills and Halloween Returns or whatever they're called. Yeah. Ends, yeah. Yeah. After those, maybe. Yeah, maybe. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, Yeah, the way that I, when I've gone over exactly like what a slasher is because they finally explained it a few issues later I think I think like 10 issues later 15 Uh, they 
the way they described it, it seems like Michael definitely fits the bill in that. Because he, he fits it more than the likes of Chucky. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, when Tim came on, we were talking about like what other crossovers could happen with characters that you wouldn't have to worry about being bogged down by uh, red tape with lawyers and legal stuff. And uh, you know, Pumpkinhead would definitely be right up there, considering that he Tim works well with Dynamite. But after doing uh, the Chaos crossover, the Crow crossover, the Vampirella crossover, he didn't want to be known as the crossover guy, so he's kind of taken the break from that for a little while. But in the uh, well of possibilities that it could happen at some point. And an artist who I commented on his Twitter about said that there was supposed to have been another crossover involving a couple characters that uh, it, with Cassie and, and Vlad, but uh, we didn't get a lot of confirmation about that on uh, from Tim, but that might have just been, like, years ago, and he's worked on so many things. It could have slipped his mind, he said, so... But uh, Cassie and Vlad will return at some point. In the meantime, you have our podcast to talk to yeah. talk to us. You can e- message me on at Goth Girl Horror, and Greg is always interested in talking to fans as well. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm uh, Greg- Gregory Elner. G R E G O R Y E L L N E R. And you can also find the rest of the episodes to this podcast with various guest stars and hosts on RadioHorror.com, as well as the other podcasts that I cover and some of the other podcasts coming up that you can check out uh, on the ads that I will plug right here, right after we get done talking. Greg, thank you for so much for your contributions to Hackslash and coming no on to close the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And come back in a couple weeks as we cover trailers, episode one of the two trailer issues with a special cosplay guest star here on Goth Girl Horror, the Hackslash podcast. Captain, Captain, who are you gonna stop tonight? Let the villains know that she's looking for a 